Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of An Amber A Day, the functional nutrition podcast. I am your host, Amber Fisher, and this is Linnea, and she is a client of mine who has you know, graciously agreed to come on the podcast here and talk to us about her uh, experiences uh, working on nutrition and everything. Hello, Linnea. Hello. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, So tell us a little bit about you. Um, I am a mother. I have a sweet two-year-old little girl. Um, I'm originally from the Texas Panhandle, but I've been in San Antonio for about eight years. So um, this is home now. (laughs) Um, I just recently found out I had PCOS um, within the last year. In fact, I turned 30 last year, um, this time last year, actually. And um, so it's been quite the year, quite the journey. I've learned a whole lot this year. It's been a fun year. So, okay, so tell us about that because um, obviously a lot of my listeners have PCOS and that's kind of the thing that I talk about the most. So how did you like know that something was wrong? How'd you get diagnosed? So I actually, uh, about four years ago, um, my mom had said that she thought a lot of my symptoms matched PCOS. And so... Um, I had been to see my gynecologist and I actually addressed these issues with her. You know, I said, I gain, it seems like anytime I take anything, I just gain weight and, um, I had hair on my face and, um, there was, there were a lot of symptoms that matched PCOS directly, um, that I brought to her and said, I think I have PCOS And her response at the time was, it's kind of hard to test for. Um, If you do have it, then we'll put you on birth control, but there's not much you can do for it. So I wouldn't even worry about it. (laughs) Uh, So at the time, uh, this was before we had started trying for kids. We knew we wanted to, but at the time, I think I was kind of relieved to hear that because I'm like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Um, so I, I just let it go. Like ignorance is bliss, right? So I just let it go. And then um, we did start trying for kids. And my first pregnancy, I had a miscarriage at 11 weeks and four days. And no one knew why, you know, like everything seemed to be tracking okay. And, um, even my OB, she's like, well, you know, it just happens. You know, there's this statistic. They're like, well, it's, it's one in four. There's all these reasons it can happen. Right. So even then, I don't think I really, I really picked up on what was happening. Um, but when we got pregnant again, she tested my hormone levels and my progesterone, progesterone was low. And so, um, they wound up 
supplementing there. And I was able to have my daughter. Um, and then after I had her, I feel like my hormones just never, I mean, there's a lot of, anybody that has a kid knows there's a lot of hormones involved with that, right? Like your body's just changed and with breastfeeding and there's just a lot going on. Right. But right around, I guess she was about a year and a half. We started thinking about maybe trying again, um, but I was having these bouts of just depression and anxiety, and it was happening more and more regularly, and it was getting so bad that I really, I didn't want to take Annalise out much. Like, I was just really anxious about anything I couldn't control, and um, these depressive episodes would get so bad that, like, I just felt like I wasn't out of, like I was out of control. And so like, even to the point where I started to have maybe some suicidal thoughts here and there and not just, I mean, I think people think um, like, what, what don't they see that they have to live for? Right. Like I have a two year old. Right. But I think it came from more of a place of like, I can't live in my brain anymore. Like Mm -hmm. these, these thoughts are driving me nuts. I can't, I can't. And so I had, um, I can try to try to control depression, anxiety with diet before. In fact, I'd done the whole 30, um, elimination diet and that helped me, um, quite a bit. So I was, I started to think, I just really didn't trust the medical community anymore. Right. And so I started thinking about, what can I do to um, control this by diet? Like, is there anything out there? And I remember looking just even on Instagram, right? And I'd start hashtagging PCOS and like just what comes up. And I think like just sitting there and reading those symptoms, like I just started bawling and I called my mom and I said, mom, I have PCOS. Like I just knew like everything matched up and then just everything made sense then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that's definitely, um, now looking back, yes, I did have PCOS. Um, I just didn't understand what was happening in in my body up, up to that point. So, but the interesting thing to me about, about treating this, and we've been working together for five, almost six months, is that my depression and anxiety has completely disappeared. So that was completely an inflammatory response. Yeah. I I think that that's one of the most fascinating things about what I do, because obviously I'm, I'm, I try to specialize in, in these hormone issues. And I think one of the reasons that I do that or that I market myself that way is because I know that hormone issues are really deeper issues and if I can just get somebody to, to buy into the whole, like, let's work on nutrition thing. I know that while, you know, what's motivating to them is the hormone issue, right? But what's motivating to me is that deeper root cause issue, that inflammation or whatever it may be, that's kind of driving these, these issues. And I know that if they can just start like getting some answers to all of that, that it'll feed into the hormones, but also feed into every other piece of their of their life. And, and so that's always really exciting for me. And you've got to have buy-in, like you have to be motivated. You have to be ready. And right. I think that's one thing with you that was really powerful was like, you had kind of hit that point where you just 
like you said, like you didn't want to live in your brain anymore. Like, and that's very motivating, um, you know? Uh, And so, and I think, you know, that's especially kind of interesting too, that you were somewhat older when you got diagnosed as well, or when you, when you kind of discovered that you had this, because this happens to a lot of people that they, they feel that everything's normal or it's just normal enough that it kind of goes under the radar. Right. And then right. eventually something kind of triggers it to, to get worse. And um, then they start to kind of take a, a deeper look at it and, and everything. So, but yeah. what's really interesting about you um, and this has been my experience with, with some other people too, is that, you know, you come for the hormones, but it's your depression and anxiety that really improve like more than, I mean, the hormones improve too. Right. Right. I mean, so, um, but the depression, anxiety, like you wouldn't think that those two things are super connected, but they actually are really connected. Um, and like you said, like depression, uh, especially depression, there's been a lot of research about, uh, that being, you know, an inflammatory condition and that people who have chronic inflammation often have, um, you know, inflammation-based depression and, and the way that we treat things in this country is so well over, over the world, I guess, and conventional medicine is just so separate. We just separate everything out yes. to the point where we lose this understanding of the deeper connection between these things. And, um, you know, I think what connects us more than anything is the food that we eat because that's the fuel for the entire body. Right. So to me, it doesn't make sense how it's not connected, but I, <laughs> I can, at this point, like I, I remember how I used to think that way, like, okay, I have anxiety or I have depression. So like, well, that's, if, if you think about it, we don't even use the same doctors for depression, and anxiety. Like mm-hmm. I had been to see a psychiatrist when I was 21 for this, right. For depression, and anxiety, And they gave me so much medication that I just went numb. I was on like five different medications. Keep in mind, I'm 21 years old, right? And so, you know, they were just throwing these medications at me. Oh, that one's not working. Well, we'll just take this one. We'll just, just, you're having these side effects now. Well, that's fine. We'll give you something to sleep now. And then we'll give you something like just throwing these medications at me and, my dad has depression. I watched him grow up with that. And so I think almost something that hindered me is I'm like, well, this is genetic. Dad has it. I have it too. That's it. You know, like I think when we allow a diagnosis of something to just um, define us, like then we feel helpless against that. Right. So I just, I just have depression. That's just it. I'm always going to have depression. There's nothing I can do about it. I did decide that I didn't want to take medication for it. Um, But that's just another, like, one of the reasons that I didn't trust my medical professionals, right? So, like, I have this psychiatrist that things didn't work out well. Every time I take something, too, I just gain a whole lot of weight, right? So, especially depression and anxiety medications. And I'm realizing now that's because I didn't have a healthy gut, but we, I had some DNA testing done as well. And so like one of the things that I now know about myself is that the lining of my gut, there's a, um, a mutation in the allele there. And so it's not great and it doesn't host a great microbiome, but before I didn't know that about myself. Right. So I didn't know how to treat it. And so it's, it's really important, I think, to learn about yourself because it's empowering. Like 
then you know how to treat yourself. If you're just sitting under these diagnoses and feeling terrible and unmotivated and like these things have happened to you, it's, it's hopeless. You're going to stay there. Like I think hitting rock bottom is what brought me out of that. But yeah. knowing now what I know, like it's just, it's just been a really incredible journey for me, but I'm really thankful for that too. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah. And I I really, I mean, so many things that you've said just ring so true to me for my own experience with health as well. And, you know, and that's not to say too, that like there isn't a place for medications because sometimes there is, you know, and sometimes it's a combined approach and, and that's fine. Um, So I want to validate anybody who's listening, you know, if you are on antidepressants and they're working for you, uh, then that can be a really beneficial part of your treatment plan. But the problem is when we get into this idea that like, okay, this person is sick in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so here's this med and here's that med and here's this med. And it's not really working, right? It's, it's all it's doing is really numbing you. You're not really feeling better, but yet we think, okay, well, this is a brain problem. I'm seeing a brain doctor and that's all they can do for me. You know, whereas with you, you kind of took a step back and thought, well, like, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe it's something deeper. Um, depression and anxiety are complicated issues. And, and there's a lot that goes into it that, that does need to be addressed on the therapy route, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that. Um, if there's like traumas and things contributing, but yeah. there's also a biological side to it that, that I don't think we talk about enough. Yeah. Um, it's just so tempting to, to run this rabbit or not this rabbit, this like gerbil wheel, hamster wheel. That's what I'm looking for. (laughs) Hamster wheel of like therapy, 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 and not look at what you're eating and how, what you're eating can play into your mood. I mean, then there's some fabulous books about that, um, over the last, um, you know, several years, because this is, this is newer, um, you know, newer science, I guess. And so it's not maybe common knowledge. That doesn't mean it's not true, you know? Um, um, and you, you're the, you are the advocate for yourself. And so you sometimes have to take matters into your own hands by seeking out alternative um, viewpoints or seeking out second opinions. Um, one thing that, that makes me sad is when people kind of come in and they tell me, well, I was told this. And um, so, you know, like, I guess that's just how it is. And I'm like, No, like if you're told something and it doesn't sit right with you, it's okay to get a second opinion. I mean, we do have to, we trust our healthcare providers and their knowledge and, and their training, but also they're just people too. Like they can make mistakes and it's okay to advocate for yourself and to seek another opinion. Um, And it's okay to form a team too. It doesn't all have to be your general practitioner, you know, 
prescribing you this thing or that thing. Like you can have a nutritionist on your team. You can have a chiropractor and you can have these other acupuncturists and these other people that, you know, have evidence-based modalities to help you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah. And also the genetics thing is just like, so beyond like frustrating for me because we know that genetics are not this thing, the static thing that it's like, okay, my, my dad had high cholesterol. And so I'm going to have high cholesterol. It's like, well, okay. You might inherit the predisposition towards high cholesterol. If your environment turns on that predisposition and it just so happens that in family units, we often have a very similar environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people say like, oh, well, my, my parents all have diabetes and that's why I have diabetes because it's genetic. It's like, no, there's a genetic component to your diabetes, but it doesn't mean that you're doomed. You know, there's nothing about genetics that says that you're, you're doomed. Yes. I mean, maybe, maybe in certain circumstances, but so much of it is, is, is dependent on environment. Yes. Um, that's called epigenetics, yes. you know? So there's some good books about that too. I, um, one of the ways that that makes the most sense to me that I'd read is that it's like your DNA is like a deck of cards, right? So yes, you get all these genes, but you get to pick which one's played, right? So you get to pick that by your diet and by your lifestyle. Like if you're, if you're doing things to counteract, you know, if you're eating correctly and you're active and like those genes don't have to define you. Right. So you can, you can not play that card, so to speak. But I think too, um, before I knew about PCOS and almost in with the depression, I know this is really, um, common with PCOS, but is eating disorders. Right. So, um, I feel like I didn't understand insulin resistance and I didn't understand why I was craving carbs or why I would sit down and eat a whole lot of stuff to like comfort myself or, but there was a lot of guilt and shame around that too. Right. So there's guilt around it. There's shame. You almost want to like hide behind it, right? You don't want anybody to know that you just ate all this or, um, but understanding now, you know, like that wasn't just my own weakness, you know, like it's not something I have to be ashamed of. Like there's a scientific reason, like insulin resistance is why your body's craving this. Like that's, that's freeing too, you know, like there's a way to work away from that. But with anybody's like struggling with depression and, and shame and like, it is, easy. It was hard for me to bring myself out of even those like comfort cycles. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that's one of the reasons it's like you're, you have the most success if you've maybe hit bottom is because you you're so desperate to bring yourself out of those comfort cycles. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it would be really easy for me to comfort myself with food, but that was just contributing to the disease that, and I just didn't understand it, but I do now. (laughs) Like I know if I'm feeling down to find something that has nothing to do with food, because if I eat food to feel, fill that void, I'm just going to feel worse. Right. Like, foods, medicine, it can help me, but it can also hurt me if I consume it wrong. 
Yeah. And I, and I think the temptation with, with PCOS, like you said, is to move towards a dis- disordered eating on one end of the, of the spectrum or, or the other. Like there is that original tendency to overeat and to overindulge in like, um, you know, fatty foods and right. high carb foods. Like, and th- this is not like, I mean, this is research based. That's, that this is something that we're more, you know, we struggle with more, we tend to do more. And then um, because those foods are comforting and they cause surges of different, you know, happy chemicals. And so like, yeah, it makes sense. But also, like you said, it it makes the issue worse in the long run. It's similar to the idea of like, you know, you drink alcohol to um, improve your mood or relax, but uh, then you're hungover the next day, feel bad, you know, you have a depressed mood. And so you drink alcohol again, and it's just like a vicious cycle, but it's the same thing. We're just doing it with sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the same token, so then, then the temptation is with PCOS to be like, okay, well, these foods are bad for me. And so I'm going to pendulum swing the complete other direction and only eat foods that are good for me. So I'm not going to touch carbs, you know, at all. And it's like, this is where, like you said, this is guilt and shame motivation, right? Guilt right. and shame pendulum swing us because we're like, we're, we're bad, you know, slap on the wrist. We need to eat this way because this is the way that's good. Food doesn't have, there's no bad foods. There's no good foods. Like it's food is non, um, non-judgmental food. Food has no moral, you know, moral standing or whatever. It's like, some foods are maybe better for us than others and different people tolerate foods differently. Um, and so, yeah, some restrictions, some being careful with certain things with PCOS is necessary. Like I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, Oh, just be totally intuitive. Uh, because I don't believe that we can totally trust the (laughs) intuition of a body that's insulin resistant, you know, because it it intuits incorrectly sometimes. Um, (laughs) However, at the same time, it's like, do we need to go full, like, you know, zero carb carnivore, like, you know, super keto, whatever? No. And that's probably not a good idea either, because that closes us off from some really healthy foods and from finding a balance. Like, that's really what's hard in PCOS is finding a balance because we're so primed to think, oh, this is going to make me gain weight, or this is going to make things worse, that we're afraid of food. Yes. Um, Really eating that way is not sustainable either. So you just, in a way, you set yourself up to fail, right? So if you're like restricting, 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 then you're almost setting yourself up for a point where you fall off the wagon. We're human. We all are. Yeah, we all do that. And, and, you know, you hear people proponents of those kinds of diets saying that it, you know, well, it's sustainable for me and stuff. And it's like, well, okay, there, I'm sure there's a subset of the population that any diet is sustainable for, you know, because everybody's different. Everyone has different needs. And for some people that might be the perfect diet for them, but it's just the vast majority of people are are not going to do well long-term on that approach just because, it, um, it's like you said, it's too restrictive. It doesn't have any, it, and it's too, um, judgment based. It's too, you know, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas something, you know, one of the kind of diet types that I, I really like for PCOS, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of a fan of like paleo style eating, um, cause I like the gluten dairy free component. Um, but I also really like the Mediterranean diet. And if you, especially if you tolerate dairy, 
um, there's like a, there's something in there that's balanced and I'm talking lifestyle. I'm not necessarily talking right. about weight loss. Cause that's kind of when we have to get into some different things. And like with you, let's talk about that, you know, because we started you off on a pretty restrictive plan. Right. Yes. And then now as time's gone on, we've kind of loosened things up. So tell us about your experience with that part. Um, so like I mentioned, I had done whole 30 before, so I wasn't, the restrictive diet part didn't scare me. Um, one of the reasons that I even asked for help in this is because I felt like I had done the elimination diet, but I just couldn't quite tell what things were causing symptoms and what things weren't. So that was one of the great things about when I started working with you, we did inflammatory testing to do, to see what actually was causing inflammation. And so one of the big things for me was eggs. That was my top sensitivity. And um, I was eating two eggs every morning for breakfast, right? <laughs> like, I, was, I was eating a lot of eggs. Um, so I just, and I didn't realize, you know, there again, I just didn't know. I was doing everything I knew how to do, but to a certain point, it had ended, right? And I had gained a lot of weight which it was 2020. A lot of us gained a lot of weight. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us ate a lot of comfort food, but I had gained a lot of weight. I, we had tried to do whole 30 and it just didn't, it didn't really work in terms of me losing weight this time. Right. And so I just felt like something was still off, but when we started and you helped me with my diet plan and we eliminated a lot of those foods that showed up, I started losing weight so fast. Like I, I couldn't even I keep up <laughs> week to week. I'm like, wow, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> um, but it did come off really quick. And at that point, like I hadn't had, I hadn't added a whole lot of physical exercise beyond what we were doing. We would walk around the neighborhood a couple of times, you know, like I wasn't doing anything any really strenuous. I was just drinking water. We know that's important for, <laughs> for detox and following my diet plan. But I think my body had just been so inflamed for so long that when I started to remove a lot of those inflammatory causes, like most of that weight was just inflammation. Yeah. And so and I, I, I was going to say, I've seen that so many times. I can't even tell you that like people will come in and they're, they're doing things correctly. Like, I mean, you, the whole 30 is a perfectly reasonable elimination protocol. You know, um, there are lots of different elimination protocols out there, but the whole 30 is, is a, is a decent one. And it's one that I often recommend if people are trying to do this on their own. Um, but this is why I really like to pair food sensitivity testing, even though it's a little bit controversial and, and all that is because I've had so many situations like yours where you were doing a comprehensive elimination and it wasn't working right. because you had a food in there that was like a quote unquote healthy food that wasn't working for you. You had, you know, an inflammatory response to that food that was pretty severe. And so it was causing you, and I mean, what it does is it causes like water retention. It causes you to hold on to that, that for that inflammation to not go down as quickly. And so it just like, it makes you think that what you're doing is not, doesn't make sense or it's not right for your body when really all it is, is like, 
you just needed to cut the eggs out out of that. And then you were doing everything right, you know? And so it was like, okay, hell, let's, let's let go of some of this like water weight and this body fat and all that. It was really, truly like impressive to watch it come on. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I, I've obviously had PCOS for a lot longer than I've known about having PCOS. Right. But like I said, a lot of times I'd taken medication in the past, my body did not react to that level. So anything I took, so when I took my antidepressants, when I started taking birth control, like I always had an adverse effect of, I would just start packing on weight like crazy. So a whole lot of times my response to packing on weight, I feel like there's this idea that if you're heavy, you're eating too much and you're not active enough, right? It's if they're, if they're too heavy, it's their fault. They're not active enough and they're not eating right. But I feel like that's unhealthy too, because what that would send me into would be like calorie deficit, right? Because I I'm gaining weight And I'm like, well, I just need to eat less and be more active. So I would be hardly eating anything and I'd be so active, which now I understand that was sending my body the other way into these stress cycles, but I would, I couldn't lose weight, right? Even in those cycles, even in these vicious cycles. And it was because I was stressing my body out going the other way, you know, but one of the things I always heard growing up, my mom said, Oh, I'm so sorry, sweetie, you don't have a good metabolism. And I, I just believe that about myself, right? Like, I just don't have a good metabolism. It's not my fault. I'm doomed here again to be heavy all my life. Um, it doesn't matter how much I try. I'm just going to be this weight. And looking back, I'm like, well, what, what is metabolism? What does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean when someone says your metabolism doesn't work well? And now I'm realizing, like, the processes that make up a metabolism, yes, some of the things are not ideal, but there's nothing that I can't help along. Right. So to not believe that about myself either, uh, I just have a bad metabolism and to be at this weight now is just, it just blows my mind because I, I think I settled at the place that I was always going to be heavy, you know, like that was just me. But when the weight came off, it's really amazing. Um, how your body can work when it's healthy, right? So um, the weight was really just a state of inflammation, but it was inflammation of my brain, which is causing depression and anxiety. And it was debilitating in the fact that as much as I wanted to do things, I just had no energy. You just feel like as much as you want to go do things and you really do, you just don't have the energy to do them. And then you feel worse because you feel like you can't obtain anything. So it's this vicious cycle of just being unhealthy. But I'm realizing too, um, health is so much more than weight, right? So you can be thin and be unhealthy, or you can be a little bit bigger. We all have different bodies. We're all human, right? Um, you can be a little bit bigger, but if you feel good and you're fueling your body, right? Like, that's, that's huge, you know? So, um, I, I lost a little over 60 pounds so far of just inflammation, but my life has changed. So, so phenomenal. It's crazy. Everything that's happened. 
Yeah. And the thing that like, just like you said, I mean, I think what, what probably is attracting people to listening to this podcast in the first place and what often they're looking for help with is either, you know, um, like fertility, the fertility piece of PCOS, right. Because they're trying to conceive or the weight piece, because it's so, you know, it can be so difficult to lose weight with PCOS and you don't know where to turn. And, and, um, and yes, like I validate that and I want to help. Like, obviously I, I designed your program for weight loss. I wanted you to, to lose weight. Um, but it's not my main motivation as a nutritionist and it wasn't your main motivation as, as a client. Um, it was just a happy side effect of, of you learning what worked for you and what, and taking care of yourself. Um, and I think that's, I mean, it was really cool to, to kind of watch it come off though, too, because it's like, like you said, I see this idea all the time that like with PCOS, you're kind of doomed to be like slightly overweight or, or very overweight. I mean, I even see people in the media, like basically using their PCOS as their excuse for why, um, they're, um, obese and, um, that's not to like shame them for being obese or anything. It is really, it's like way more difficult to lose weight and maintain your weight with PCOS. If you don't know what works for your body and it's hard to find out what works for your body, especially on your own. Um, but you're never do like, you're not doomed, you know, right. it, it's not a life sentence of, of, um, extra weight. Um, and I, I think I can safely say that at this point, because, I have helped so many people to lose weight with PCOS now that I don't even, I don't worry about it anymore. I don't worry like, oh no, is it going to be, are we going to be able to get weight off of them? You know, are they going to be upset? You know, um, cause I, you know, don't want to make a promise that I can't keep. It's just something that it's like, I know now that because PCOS is this metabolic issue, if we can just help re-coordinate that metabolism to where your body is just functioning better, where you're healthier, your cells are healthier, then it wants to let go of that extra weight. Right. Like, and you're a perfect example of that because losing 60 pounds in like six months, that's a lot of weight. And, um, it's, you're not eating like a super low calorie diet or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Like you're eating quite a bit of food. Um, but it's all allergen free, really right. healthy. <laughs> And we've also, have we, we've done like, we've reintroduced some foods back into your diet yeah. at this point. Yeah. 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 So, um, so it's not like the other thing is it's not like you have to be, you know, completely like staying away from all of the good things in life forever to be that way. I think that's a misconception as well. It's like, Oh, okay. Well maybe I can lose weight with PCOS, but I have to limit, I have to be on whole 30 forever. Right. You know, <laughs> that's not true either. Like you, you can have a balance of, of eating foods from every food group and, and stuff like that, as long as your body, you know, as long as we can get your body towards tolerating things, which is another story, right? Right. Well, I just um, didn't realize how unhealthy my gut was or that that was a problem. But like you said, when I came to you, it was not for weight loss at all. Like I had already accepted the fact that I was heavy and that I was going to be heavy. I came to you because we wanted to have another baby. <laughs> like, And I realized that until I got my hormones right, like that wasn't going to happen. Right. But right. I didn't realize too, like you helped me understand that my fat cells were holding estrogen. Like I didn't realize that. Right. So I knew that I had a lot of the symptoms of estrogen dominance, but I didn't understand 
how my weight was contributing to that point at that point, even, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, I'm here to balance my hormones. Right. And that is one thing that I, I always like to be very measured about, about weight and body fat, because there is this idea, this cultural idea that, um, it's kind of taboo these days to talk about weight and weight loss because you don't want to not be body positive. Um, but then there is a reality to extra body fat that can be negative. And of course everyone's different. Um, and, uh, I, I do think that like the healthy range is probably wider than what we kind of maybe think it is, but, but that said, like, like, like you said, I mean, body fat secretes its own estrogens. Like it also, if you have excess body fat, it causes a localized inflammation, which the bigger that problem gets becomes systemic. And so body fat can contribute to insulin resistance. It can contribute to chronic inflammation. So, um, that's where it can get to be a vicious cycle. And I think a lot of people get stuck or trapped in that cycle where their PCOS symptoms are making it tougher for them to lose weight. And then it's, it's, um, you know, it's the other way around too. Like right. it's tougher to lose weight because they have PCOS symptoms. So it's like, Oh, how do I get out of this? You know, right. sometimes what you have to do to get out of it is, is really figure out what's causing inflammation right now. Um, right. and, and all that. So, um, so yeah, I feel like we successfully did that, which is yeah, always, always a win. Right. <laughs> and it was so, it's been so fun to just like coach you through the process and just be, cause I don't consider like, I mean, yes, like I'm proud of the work that I do. And I know that I like, I bring something to the table with, with you as well, but you're the one who did all the hard work. Like I just kind of told you what to do, but you actually did it. And, right. and that's maybe the difference between you and, um, and other people out there and potentially other people that I've helped before is that you were really ready for the, for the changes. And, um, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that goes into like getting your mind and your heart ready for, for these changes and for the possibility that you might live a different life than the one that you had resigned yourself to. Yeah. Um, and that, and believe it or not, that can be really scary for people, you know, like I've dealt with this before in the past where, um, weight loss in particular can be very scary for people because they're used to their body being a certain way. And they're used to the certain, the perception of their body being a certain way. And it's very confusing and scary to think about what's my life going to be like when I no longer look like this, like right. what's going to change and what's maybe not going to change. Um, right. you know, so I, there's a lot to add yeah. here about this too, because when I started losing weight, I feel like it was almost triggering for me in a way, right. Where, when I started this, this was a health journey, right? Like I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to work on fertility. When I started losing weight, like it was really hard not to just shift back into that. Cause I, I mentioned before, like back into that feeling of, well, if I just eat a little less, I'll lose even more not to get stuck in that. I just want to be a smaller person thing again. Um, and so I did, I had therapy, like I worked with a therapist through this too. Um, I, people would comment on my weight and I would say, I don't want them to notice I'm smaller. I want them to notice that I'm not depressed. I want them to notice I'm healthy. I want, like, I don't want the thing that they're commenting on to be my 
size because I don't want to feel like if I gain weight back that I'm less of a person. Right. So there was a lot, um, that went into that just mentally working through these things too, you know, but realizing even that whether, you know, I'm this size, that size, like my weight doesn't define me. Like that was really important. And that went, that was, that was therapy. Like that, that mind work is, I mean, I think we all have struggles. We all come from different backgrounds. Um, I don't think anybody ever meant anything by being like, you look great. And here I'm like, I'm excited about it. Right. But it is hard to change out of anywhere where you're comfortable. Right. Like, even if I was overweight, like I was used to being there, I'd been there. That was a comfortable situation. My body really didn't want to change out of it. It is a scary, scary journey. It's a lot to it, but it's worth, it's worth going through, you know, like I learned a lot in therapy and I learned a lot of stuff that have, has nothing to do with PCOS. It's just helped me as a person, you know, to, to value myself and to just even step back and, look at myself, right? Look at why I feel the way I feel about things and, and how that's impacted me, you know? But I think as long as we're interested in learning about ourselves and taking care of ourselves, like, I don't think that work will ever be done, you know, like, right. I mean, as, as our bodies age, things are going to change and maybe we have to change something a little different, you know, like, (laughs) things are going to continue changing. It's just always trying to figure out what works for my body and what doesn't work for my body. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And that's, that's something that I harp on a lot in when I write and when I try to communicate my, like put myself out there as a person on, on social media, because when you look at me, I feel like if you don't know anything about my background or my history, and I've thought this too about other nutritionists, right? Or dietitians. It's like, you just assume that like, I have never had an issue with weight or health. Like I probably am just a nutritionist. So I can like judge other people about their diet or tell them that they need to lose weight or whatever. You know, you just have a lot of misconceptions about right. people who work in, in nutrition. Um, and granted, there are a lot of people out there that are like that. Like they enjoy being nutritionists because they like to kind of like guilt people into a, uh, weight loss and stuff like that. Um, but I try to always be honest about the fact that like, yes, even though maybe it seems like on the outside, it looks like maybe I have everything all together. I don't, and I'm still learning for myself. I'm still trying to make my health better. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of struggles with that and it's a lifelong process. Like you said, um, we are born with certain predispositions, right. And, and this is the, where the genetics does come in is that we're born with these predispositions and we may always be fighting a bit of an uphill battle with them, but that's okay. Like that's a battle worth fighting, you know? Um, and you just continue to learn and you continue to grow. And there's just something to be said for how good you can feel when you eat well and you take care of yourself. You know, like I love the feeling of waking up in the morning and like, I like the way my skin looks mm-hmm. and you know, like there's something about that. That's just really validating too, you know, especially now that we're like in our, you know, in our thirties and we're mom. <laughs> it's like, I feel like, you know, I'm like, I, I feel good. Like, I feel like you yeah. can tell that I'm taking care of myself. Yes. And, and then the energy is the other thing. Like I really, at this point in my life, 
as a mom, my weight has become less important than it used to be. I used to really struggle, really, really struggle Mm -hmm. with the perception of what people, especially what people would think about me as a nutritionist who was maybe carrying some extra weight. I just thought, oh no, they must think that I'm terrible at my job. (laughs) And that used to really bother me. Um, But now it's like, you know, I don't care as much about that. Um, Ironically, it seems like the less you kind of care about these things, the easier it is to get to a healthy place. Right. Um, but anyway, that's a topic for another time. But what I care more <laughs> about is this energy. I just, I want to f- wake up and I want to feel like I'm well rested and I want to feel like you just have that healthy feeling, yes. you know, and that's, that's worth so much more than what pant size you wear. Like, yeah. So. Well, and like you said, like, you know, maybe some other nutritionists look at it different, but that was one of the things like when I started looking for someone to work with, like I looked for a long time, (laughs) but, and that was one of the things that, um, did draw me to you knowing that you yourself had PCOS and like even your fertility journey. Right. So I'm like, here's someone that's been where I've been. Right. Like, in to extent, like you fought for a whole lot longer than we did, but um, I just made me realize like, here's someone that's going to care, right? Here's someone that's felt the feelings that I felt. Here's someone that's invested in this. Right. And I think that's important. Like, I, I think there are good doctors out there. I think there's great nutritionists out there. I think there's wonderful medical professionals out there. Um, and then there's some that, aren't as much, you know? So like, I feel like it's important if you're not feeling supported to find someone that will support you because like, if you have a concern and it's being swept under the rug, I saw something about like gaslighting by physicians. Right. And that's just, you know, they're just making you feel like you're concerns or your symptoms are invalid. Like if that's happening to you, go find someone that believes you, you know, someone that's going to work with you because like, like I said, I feel frustrated by a lot of my experiences. Now I didn't necessarily feel frustrated then necessarily. I just didn't know. I thought that they cared about me on the level that I would have cared for myself. Right. But Mm -hmm. they have other lives, they have other things and I should have pushed harder, but I also should have tried to find professionals that care, like, that were really invested in my journey sooner too. Like, yeah. And I think that's true for, for women in general, like we do tend to have poorer outcomes with health issues and it takes longer to get diagnosed with things. I think partially because we're kind of culturally taught to like defer or to just sort of like listen to the expert and kind of like not make waves. Um, But also because we, we don't know enough about our own health and our own, you know, and what's normal and what's not normal. We don't talk enough about like menstrual irregularities and right. things like that. All this is all taboo stuff. Like I, yeah. I get to this point where I talk about, you know, periods and ovulation and all this stuff, and it doesn't even bother me anymore. But like, sometimes I'll be talking to people about it or about pooping. That's the other thing I talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah. and people are like, I'm a mom though. People are just like, what, you know, but it's because these issues really aren't, um, 
they, this is real human experience, real female experience. And so we have to know about ourselves. We have to educate about ourselves, about ourselves. And then that empowers us to make better choices about who we're going to entrust our healthcare with. Because, you know, when, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, like it's our responsibility to find a doctor, like you said, who we really feel is we can trust and who's listening to us. Um, I think back to my own issues, you know, having had, had cancer and I'm so glad that I like went to different doctors and like looked around for somebody. And, and that's not to say that all my doctors are like, you know, functional doctors or like, or holistic providers. Like, no, my OB is a conventional OB. Like I have a, uh, have a general practitioner who's a functional practitioner. So I have a range of people on my team. And I think that's important too. I, I think it's fine. Like there are a lot of really good doctors out there who really genuinely do care about their about their patients um, who are practicing a conventional model. So we're not, I'm not definitely not trying to say to like, you know, not have any of those people or not focus on any of those people, but it's, it's okay to advocate for yourself and to recognize too, that our healthcare system is broken Mm -hmm. and uh, that your doctor really is just a person who has 15 minutes with you. And like, if you can tell that your doctor's not reading your notes, Mm -hmm. not reading your chart, you know, you feel like they're not remembering details about you that are really important, you know, especially if you have a health condition. I just think it's good. And this is common too, with, with women getting diagnosed with autoimmune issues, especially Mm -hmm. if they're young. Like I've had clients who it's taken them five, six doctors and lots of lab work before anybody finally is like, Oh, I think you might have like an autoimmune issue. Like let me refer you to a rheumatologist. It's like, wow, it should not take that long. Right. Um, so I don't know, advocate for yourself. I guess yeah. that's what we're doing. that's a huge thing too. Like, you know, you don't have to just take what everybody says and be like, okay, yeah, that goes into the yeah. thing. But they said I have this, that this is hopeless, right? Like, like you said, advocate. That's I mean, sometimes I mean it, it takes effort to to learn about yourself, you know, to look into stuff, to research things. But the more you do that, you know, it all kind of like it's, I felt like a whole bunch of light bulbs going on. Right. And, and it's mm-hmm. a whole lot of pieces to puzzles too. Right. So with PCOS, like diet is a huge thing, but another thing that I've just tried to do in my own life is be aware of like toxins around me now, like that affects you in PCOS. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I need to be aware of because it's going to affect me my whole life. Right. And so I think just little changes like that and taking baby steps too. Like if you had told me everything I was going to need to do on day one, I would have <laughs> collapsed because I was already anxious and depressed. A lot. <laughs> but and I have the tendency to want to like push hard at the beginning too. Yeah. 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 So I had sometimes have to put the brakes on myself, like, okay, okay. We don't need to do it all right now. I usually save the talks and stuff for like later. I'm like, we'll tackle that later. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's you was great because, because you are so accessible too. you know, like I didn't feel like if I had a concern that I had to wait, you know, another three months to see my doctor again, you know, like, because I could just, ask you, you know, what do you think about this? Like that I, I can be an overthinker, right. And get in my head about things. And so it did really help. But there again, I think it just comes to finding the right person to help you through your journey. 
I think so too. And that that's the benefit, you know, of working, I think with a nutritionist is especially a, a credentialed nutritionist, you know, cause there are a lot of different, there's a lot of confusion about all that. So you're looking for just to let everyone know if you want this kind of medical help, you're looking for a registered dietitian or a certified nutrition specialist. Um, those are really the only two kind of credentials that are qualified to do that work. And the reason that that's beneficial to have those types of people on your team is that you can, um, you know, you can get help with your medical issue with them, um, you know, within the scope of nutrition, but they also have that, that health coaching aspect. So like I'm a healthcare provider who helps people with PCOS to address their diet and lifestyle, but I'm also not going to send you with the plan and see you three months from now. And like, okay. just see how you did with it. Like you can also like message me in between. And I, I provide that coaching piece too. Right. So I really think, and that's the main reason that I decided instead of going to med school to go to nutrition school, because I feel like that is just the coolest part. It's like, I get to coach you through these changes and be a guide through these changes, but also like I get to cover that piece of helping you with your actual issue and as much as diet can do that. So I love the combo of that. Um, but you know, like no one who's listening to this has to work with me specifically. Right. There are a lot right. of nutrition yeah. out there, yeah. you know? Um, and so you just have to kind of look around for, for the right, um, the right person for you and, and do a lot of research on it. But, um, yeah, I think educating yourself about your own health condition is important too. Anyone can go on PubMed, you know, or Google Scholar, and you can look up research studies. Um, yes, like it's helpful to have um, a a master's or higher level education because you're taught how to read research, and there's some research is good and some research is not so good. Um, but I don't think that precludes you from being able to like look things up and kind of get questions to ask, you know, like if you don't look at the actual studies and you're just reading blogs, then you may not know what to ask and you can print things out and take them in. I mean, yeah, don't be afraid to do that stuff. Like people should have to, I don't know. I think we, we should have to pay attention a little bit more to our clients and Right. And listen to to what they've learned about right. themselves too, and their lived experience of right. their issues. So yeah, yeah. Just remembering everybody's different. You know, my experience yeah. won't be like anybody else's. Same thing. Right. I mean, there can be a lot of things that are similar, but a lot of things that are different too. So that's why it's important to advocate for yourself. Yeah, it it definitely is, and 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 that's also why it's really really important to remember that you know if you tried this or that diet and you feel like you failed at it. It's not that you're a failure. Um, it's just that it probably just wasn't right for your body. And so that's it. You know, if you can afford to work one-on-one -on -one with a, with a professional nutritionist, I think you will have such a different experience. Um, if you can't, you're gonna, you know, have to do your research and, but just keep trying things, give things time, but don't give up on the process because it can take a long time before you find what really works for you. And to that end, I guess I should plug my, 
I guess I should plug my PCOS group. Um, I do have a private uh, PCOS community now where I'm kind of doing like an in-between thing. It's not one-on-one consulting, but it's not just like random videos about stuff. It's, it's in the middle. So we're doing um, weekly uh, videos where I'm going into depth on different PCOS topics. We're doing um, weekly meal plans to kind of help you get an idea of what a balanced PCOS diet looks like. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's got a lot of, of stuff in there and then some chances to win, you know, consults with me and, and things. So I will, the link to that will be below if you're interested in that. And I think the group is also getting uh, first, first access to this as well. I'm probably going to upload this so they can see it. So, cause I know they want to hear your experience, but, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and close things up for today, but Linnea, thank you so much for yeah, being on. This. Good to, you know, I talk your ear off on our sessions anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, we always end up going long because we have such <laughs> conversations. Um, but it's, it's been a joy. It really has been a joy working with you and we're not done yet, which is good. Cause I'm not ready to lose you yet. Um, <laughs> so that's great. So we'll, we'll keep going and, um, thank you for being on the podcast. Those of you who are listening, if you have questions, uh, you can email an amber a day podcast at gmail.com and all the other links to contact me are below. And I think that's it. So have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. (laughs) Before you go, something new. You can now submit your questions for the podcast through our Google form, which makes it much more easy than having to email. The link is below in the show notes. If you haven't yet and you've been enjoying the podcast, please take a second and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It helps me more than you can possibly know, and I appreciate every single one of your reviews. Have a wonderful day. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.